Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. For the next two weeks, um, this week and next, we're going to be talking about the reality of the spiritual battle that we're in. Um, one of the most dangerous things you could do is call yourself a Christian and be complacent when it comes to the actual war that's at hand. And uh, I said last service, the enemy is not threatened. Uh, if you're a Christian where you are like, well, I love God and I'm going to go to heaven when I die. But, you know, as I'm following God, following God, I don't feel a lot of pushback. I don't feel a lot of like, you know, it, I don't feel like the enemy's like attacking me. I just want to let you know, if you don't ever feel pushback, that might mean you're going the same direction he is. And I find that usually complacent Christians, people who are just like, check the box off, well, the enemy isn't too concerned with trying to do a whole lot to stop them because they're not being very effective anyways. And so I'm going to talk about a few things today, and this will apply to everyone in the reality that there's a spiritual battle. Right now, you don't have to look very far in the earth or on the news. And if you think it's political, I just want you to know they've pulled, the, the enemy has pulled deception over your eyes because this is not left or right. Jesus did not come here to be left or right. He came here to take over. He ain't taking sides. Okay? And so with the kingdom of darkness, we have to understand there is a real spiritual battle at play. And that's not just in some foreign country. That's from here to the ends of the earth. But the commission that we've been given by Jesus is to take the gospel from here to the ends of the earth. So just as the enemy says there's no place off limits, I'm gonna try to get darkness everywhere I go. Well, God's got a lot of sons and daughters that's like, hey, there's no place off limits. I got a lot of places I gotta get this message, amen? And so um, let me read you this passage and it'll make sense why we're calling this no vacancy. But we're gonna be uh, kind of the anchor passage for these next two weeks is Matthew 12, starting in verse 43 through 45. Matthew 12, 43. When an unclean spirit, that could also be evil spirit, that could be demonic spirit, okay? When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it roams through waterless places looking for rest, but doesn't find any. I encourage you to go do a study on waterless places. I don't have time to break that down today, but there's a lot to it. Then it says, so the unclean, the evil, the demonic spirit says, I'll go back to my house that I came from. Now, house, you need to know, is not a physical building. It's a person, okay? This is an evil spirit that was cast out of a person, the person's body being the house. The Bible tells us in the New Covenant, we are temples of who? The Holy Spirit, right? But not just the Holy Spirit will get inside this house. There are other spirits that would like to get inside this house too, okay? Every spirit wants to be inside of a house, inside of a temple, inside of a person, because it gives its activity the most effect, okay? God knows if he puts his Holy Spirit in people, it has its most effect. Well, just know Satan believes the same thing. If he can get demonic spirits in people, it's, it can have the most effect. So, it's hard. The house means a person. So the demonic spirit says, I'll go back to my house that I came from. Returning, it finds the house vacant, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and it brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and they settle down there. As a result, that person's last condition, meaning that the second time, is worse than the first. That's how it will also be with this evil generation. These are the words of Jesus. So 
First thing we see is there was someone with an evil spirit. I don't know what you believe about God or believe about Jesus, but if you at least believe there's good and evil in the world, I hope that you would agree it's not good for an evil spirit to be in a person. I hope that you agree with that. If not, please come talk to me afterwards. We might need to do some deliverance. But if you at least agree that an evil spirit should not be inside of a person, then what we see in the scripture at the beginning is, well, this is good. The evil spirit left the person. But there's three things that we see happen to the person. Two are good, one is not. Two of the things that happens is that evil spirit goes around trying to find a place to rest and it can't, which I just want you to know, which means that Satan and his demons are restless. They're restless, they won't stop. They're gonna keep looking for ways to attack and engage. We're in a spiritual battle. But what's interesting is that Jesus says the evil spirit comes back to where it was before, where it got kicked out of, and it finds two things that are good. The house is swept. The person's life is cleaned up, right? The addictions are gone. They're, they're not doing the drugs anymore. They're not, they're not engaging in you know, evil activity. You know, maybe they, they've cleaned up their thought life and their words. That's good. And it's put in order, right? They're trying to make goals, and they're going to the gym, and they're getting fit, and they're doing right things, right things. But don't miss the first one because the first one is the most dangerous one. The evil spirit finds the house vacant, swept, and in order. The most dangerous thing that you, can I, you and I could do, even if we follow Jesus, is leave areas of vacancy in our lives that allow the enemy to attack and attach things to us that were not meant for us. If we are spirit-filled believers, we have to make sure we have broken agreement with any assignment of the enemy and there's no vacancy inside this life. The Holy Spirit has full access to fill all of it from head to toe. There's not an area where it's like, God, I love you, but I got this area right here. Don't touch this one. There's no vacancy when it comes to our lives. The Holy Spirit has full access. This is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying the danger is the person got delivered but the enemy, darkness, evil is restless. And it found that the person didn't fill themselves after being set free. They didn't invite in the proper spirit, the Holy Spirit. You know why we call him Holy Spirit, right? Because he's not the only one. If he was the only one, we'd just call him spirit. But holy means without sin. It means set apart. We have to call him Holy Spirit because he's not the only, the only spirit at play but he is the most powerful spirit at play. He is the only loving spirit at play. He is the only spirit that can give you purpose, but you and I have to make sure there's no vacancy in our lives. In this house, there's no vacancy. There's no room. And Jesus says at the end, this idea of seven more, that means eight evil spirits coming back into a person's life and makes it worse. And Jesus says, this is how it will be with this generation. Now, uh, if you just look around, here's the reality of what you and I stand in. The days are going to continue to get darker. They're going to happen. That is not a doom and gloom. Guess what? We can keep shining light brighter and brighter. I just want you to know in the world, it will get darker and darker. Now, there's a difference between world and earth when you look in scripture. Earth is a physical place. World is a way of doing things. It's a governance. There is a world order that the enemy, he, the Bible says he's the prince of the air. He's the one that's in control of the world right now. That's why we see the darkness, the evil, the, the, the disease, the sickness, the shame, the guilt, the filth. That's because Satan is the one that is stirring all of this up right now. So in the world, we'll see it. But remember what Jesus said about you and I, if you're a Christian in the room, we are not of this. 
We're not of this world. That, that's why I love being an ambassador for Christ. Ephesians calls us ambassadors if you follow Jesus. You know what an ambassador does, right? An ambassador lives in a place that they're not from, representing where they are from. Woo! I get to bring heaven. I'm not of this world. I am on this earth because there is an enemy. There is a kingdom of darkness, but I have been rescued. And when I got rescued because of my faith in Jesus, I got transferred from darkness to light. But God doesn't take me out of the world. He leaves me in the world and makes me an ambassador, a representative of the kingdom of heaven to walk around and show people, hey, you don't have to give any vacancy to this world's order any longer. So you don't walk around as what I would say, that the way I explain it, there's two ways you can walk around in life. You can either be a thermometer or you can be a thermostat. Thermometers just tell the temperature. You'll just walk around and you'll just do what everybody else does. You'll talk how they talk. You'll watch what they watch. You listen to what they listen to. But when you get saved and you get transferred, you become a thermostat. You walk into rooms and you set the temperature. You set the atmosphere. You set the culture because you bring the kingdom of God into that place. Because I'm a son or you're a daughter of the king. And so I'm not of this world, but I'm still in it because I've got an assignment. But there is a war in front of us. Dark, evil age, and the enemy is restless, and you live in an urgent hour. You live in an urgent hour. Everything that we see right now, even happening over in Israel, and Hamas and, and all, all of that. And, and we could track back, it's just continued happening. This isn't, Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. This isn't like brand new stuff. It just, when we see these things, we know that the, it, the, the time is ramping up. If you actually go look in Revelation, when it talks about um, the time to come, it's a weird tense there in the Greek that it doesn't mean, you know, like if you've ever flipped over like an hourglass with sand and it's like you're waiting for the sand to empty out because you're waiting for time to count down. The way in Revelation, the, 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 grammatically, the tense there in the original language is not a counting down till Christ returns, but it's a counting up. It's almost as if things speed up and get faster. And so we're in an urgent hour. It's not like things are gonna get slower and then finally Jesus is gonna come back. Things are gonna ramp up and get quicker. There's gonna be more pressure on us as followers of Jesus. And that's why we have to know who we are, whose we are, and we stand firm and there's no vacancy in this life. There's no vacancy. And so with this idea of what I want to break down today, I do want to preface with this. As much as I believe in um, there's a kingdom of light, God's kingdom, there's a kingdom of darkness, there are angels and there are demons. Um, if you don't know, one of the reasons Satan hates you so badly is because Satan was an angel. And when Satan got cast out of heaven, according to scripture, he took a third of the angels with him. How many is a third? All I know is there's a lot of angels, a third of a lot, okay? A third of the angels went with Jesus. I mean, went with Satan, not with Jesus. Uh, the, the other, the, the remaining stayed with Jesus. So Satan gets kicked out of heaven with a third of the angels. Now, why did he get kicked out? Well, he wanted God's seat. But what many people don't realize, if you go read in Ezekiel and you can see some stuff in Zephaniah, Satan, his body, the Bible tells us, was constructed of organ pipes and strings. Did you know that Satan's job in heaven was actually to lead the worship? Do you want to know why one of the reasons Satan hates you and I so bad? Is because he got cast out of heaven before God created the earth, according to what Jesus tells us about seeing him cast out like lightning, Adam and Eve being created, and you know, Satan being there as a serpent. When God created you and I, he created us to worship. You took Satan's job. You took his job. He hates you. 
He doesn't want you to walk in the purpose of God because Satan knew what it was like to lead worship in the presence of God, but then he allowed pride to enter in and he wanted God's seat and so he gets removed. And who's he get removed with? A third of the angels. So what are demonic spirits? Demonic spirits are a third of the angels that Satan is in charge of and they roam the earth and they're restless. They roam the earth and they're restless. I can show you scriptures. I can show you about Decapolis, even in the the new covenant, when there's a demon-possessed man and the demon-possessed man runs and falls on his knees in front of Jesus and says, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, what do you want with us? Jesus says, what is your name? He says, we are legion for we are many. There were many demons inside this man. And listen to what the demons said to Jesus. This was their plea. Please don't send us from this place. Interesting statement for demons to be like, Jesus, don't send us from here. In other words, they recognized Jesus had authority to send them, well, wherever the heck he wanted to send them. But they said, don't send us from here. Why? Because Satan operates militaristic. I'm telling you right now, Sean and I have traveled the world. I've been in cities like Pattaya, Thailand, sex trade center of the world, so much evil. I'm telling you, there are demonic spirits of perversion and immorality there. They're assigned there by the devil. This is why those demons pleaded with Jesus, please don't send us from this place because our general Satan has assigned us to this area and we have to stay here. So Jesus actually listened to what they said. He just threw them into pigs. And where did the pigs run into? Pigs ran down a cliff into what? Anybody know? Say it. Come on, say it like, Yeah, in the water. Isn't it funny that they were looking for waterless places? I have way more than I can even tell you, but I'm just letting you know that a third of the angels, demonic spirits are roaming the earth, and you and I live in an urgent hour. We don't live scared. We don't live fearful. Nobody's walking around from Voyage Church on Halloween scared, where y'all celebrate darkness all you want. I was actually thinking, um, some of our youth people, I haven't even told this to our team, I was thinking you guys do a Wednesday night worship night called Dance on Death. How dope would that be? That'd be super sick. Anyways, like we're not scared. We're putting hell on its heels because we carry light. But we have to understand there's a spiritual battle at play. And so, um, but with that, I need to just let you know as I'm about to break some things down, I do not believe there's a demon behind every corner. Okay, we, we, need to, we need to address this because you'll meet people and they'll be like, my washer broke and the devil's really after me. It's like, no, honey, you haven't maintenanced your washer in 22 years. It broke, it broke. And now I'm not saying that there aren't times where I've been, Sean and I went into a city in India. We pull in, about to do this big worship concert with our team. And when we get in there, there's tanks and Hummers and stuff everywhere and the whole town's shut down. No shops are allowed to be open. No cars are driving. And it was a government shutdown. This area of India was trying to separate. India sent the military in and said, no, this is, Indi- this is India's land. You're not going anywhere. Shut the whole town down. And we pull up in there in our Jeep and we're like, oh, this could get bad, especially when they find out like we're Christian and what we're doing. And like, we knew that, okay, there's an assignment of the enemy on this. But I do want to be clear that there are some things that just happen because it's life. So while there's not a demon behind every corner, I do want you to know anything difficult that you face in life does come from the devil. Because when Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God, Thus, at that moment, trouble, sweat from the brow, thorns and thistles, sickness, difficulty, and strife showed up on the scene. So while your washer breaking um, or, uh, you know, your, your tire going flat or you getting um, COVID at an inconvenient time might not be a, a demon sitting there going, oh, I'm going to give you COVID. It, it is. It is a result of the fall of man. 
So there are times where it's the fall, but then there are times where there are attacks. I'm going to give you two ways to know if, if, where you could kind of quantify if it's an attack from the enemy. The first one is this. Um, it's a good gauge that you're being attacked by the enemy if you are actively living by engaging with darkness. What do you watch? What do you listen to? How do you talk? What do you think about? Proverbs says, as a person thinks, so they are. There's these new scientific studies um, that some neurologists did, and they said, we found that people who think on certain things for long periods of time, they begin to become that and live that out. I was like, bro, you ain't figured that out. God done had that in the Bible for a long time. As a person thinks, so they are. And so one of the ways you'll know if you're being attacked by the enemy is are you actively engaging in darkness? Young people, when you're scrolling on TikTok and someone starts talking about like crystals and new age stuff, bro, don't you hang around. You better scroll right on. I click those three little dots. I report that junk. I roll on. Uh-uh. No, we don't, we don't have time to engage with any kind of darkness or any kind of spirit other than the Holy Spirit. If I have to engage with anything that is of dark, evil spirits, I'm only doing it with the Holy Spirit. And so number one is if it's a good indicator that that's the enemy, the night terrors you might be having, um, some dark thoughts that you might be having are you, and you have to gauge your life on this. I don't know what you watch. I don't know what you listen to. And this isn't the church where I'm about to put a bunch of movies up here and be like, don't watch that one. It's got a bad scene in it. Don't watch. I ain't going to do that. You get with the Holy Spirit. You get conviction from the Holy Spirit, and you figure out what you need to kick out of your life. You figure out, mom and dad, how to sit down with your kids and say, hey, there's just no more full access to YouTube in this house. I know, not popular, but we're not looking for popular. We're looking for powerful. We're looking for something that's effective, right? And so if we're looking for something effective, I promise you, go find me someone who's been effective in life without work. Go find me someone who's been effective in life without making tough decisions. They don't exist. So this is, this is a fight. This is a fight. But if you're engaging with darkness, it's probably a good indicator. Or on the flip side is this. If you think you're experiencing attacks from the enemy, another good gauge is, are you living on assignment? While I don't know if the enemy's always breaking your washer and dryer, if you're trying to get your clothes ready because the Lord has called you to take the time off work for unpaid vacation because you're about to go on this mission trip or this thing that the Lord you just feel is calling you to, man, I could see the enemy giving some pushback on that. Why? Because when you're living on assignment, he's worried that he'll lose ground. He has a domain of darkness. God has a domain of light. Domains want more land. Take over. And so the enemy knows that if you're living on assignment, he's got to give some pushback because if you're fulfilling the great commission, going therefore to all nations, right? Preaching the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and then teaching them all that Jesus has taught. The enemy at that point is like, bro, they're going to take ground. Why? Because Light always pushes out darkness, always. So 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, be alert and of sober mind. All my scriptures aren't on the screen, I apologize. That was a long 500 mile bike ride. Um, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lo lion looking for someone to devour. I want you to know, notice that the scripture says Satan prowls around like a lion. He's not a lion. The Bible says that God is the lion of Judah. God is a lion. Satan can't create or make himself anything. I always say Satan can't create, he can only manipulate. He can only take things that God's created and manipulate and thwart and twist them to then bring destruction. I always 
try to figure out what I can talk about in, in a room. I don't know how many people are in Voyagers and not in Voyagers. When it comes to intimacy between a man and a woman, I need you to know that that's God's design. God created it. Satan can't create that. He can only manipulate it to then bring destruction in people's lives, to do it outside of God's context. So I need you to recognize the schemes and the tactics of the enemy. Solomon told us nothing is new under the sun. You and I have a responsibility to read the word. Here's, I heard this for years. I heard pastors say, Satan has studied humanity. He knows the way you operate. There's some of you that got propensities to do certain things, maybe addiction to alcohol or drugs, or, or, or maybe someone who has a propensity to, to get into this, lie, this this way of living where you just lie all the time. You, 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 there's some of you in the room, you've lived your life where you lie about things, where you're like, I don't even know why I'm lying. I'm just trying to tell a story so that people will accept me. And then I walk away and be like, bro, I've literally never jumped out of an airplane. Why the heck did I do that? Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about because there's this innate desire to be accepted. And what happens is, is I've been, I'm, for me, it was Satan studied humanity and he knows, he knows how to get you. And I realized one day as I was reading the word and I started seeing Satan attack, I was like, hold up. If he can study me, I can study him. There's nothing new under the sun. I can recognize the way that he can. Satan tempted Jesus. If Jesus is going to be tempted, I'm going to be tempted. But I can study the way that he attacks as well. I can be prepared and aware because he just roams around like a lion, but he's not one. But notice it says, be alert and of sober mind. Are you alert? Are you aware? Because there's, there's, there's two directions here. There's the people who are like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't really believe in all like the dark demonic stuff. Go ahead. Pull the blind over your eyes. Go ahead. Be deceived by it. But it's happening. I said this last service, and I'll say it again so that for sure it'll go on the podcast. If I could give every single one of you spiritual goggles and walk you through that door right there, you would pee your pants. I'm not kidding you, and I, I'm dead serious. You would freak out at the demonic forces and the battles that are happening right outside the door. It would blow your mind. Because you and I, we've lived natural for so long, then we get saved in the supernatural. But the moment we have to start believing in that stuff, it makes us uncomfortable. But that's, why we, that's what we were saved for. We were saved to step into this battle, amen? And here's the other thing. If the enemy's roaming around, in, in Genesis chapter four, verses six and seven, God's speaking to Cain. And this is really important because you need to know that Satan, he's coming after you and there's some things that some of us are engaging in and, 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 are, and are actively living in. And we might even know like, oh, I know that's sin, but you know, God will forgive me. Notice Genesis four. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain, which thus tells us that when you're not living right, you'll end up living angry. You ever find someone who lives really angry, it probably is a, is a picture of there's an area of their life where they're not living right. And that's not for us to shame anyone, but that's for to tell people, hey, the gospel can have shame off of you and you can come out of anger. You can get free, forgiven, and get joy. Bless the Lord. Um, I remember when I worked at Chick-fil-A, they didn't let me work up front for very long because they said I didn't smile enough. I was like, but I'm happy. I just don't know how to do this all the time. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. There's someone under the sound of my voice today. You're living in what you know is wrong. Do what is right. You can make that choice today. You can break that relationship off before it goes too far and ruins your marriage. You can delete that app. Come on, I'm, I'm, do what is right. Husbands, start praying with your wives. Do what is right. You can do it. He says, 
He says, you'll be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. And you would think, based upon what God's saying, he's like, if you do what is right, you'll be accepted. But if you do what is wrong, I won't accept you. I love the fact that we know that God loves sinners, but God's answer isn't, I won't accept you. He says, if you don't do what is right, watch out. Sin is crouching at the door and it's eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Church, listen, the enemy wants us living in sin and engaging in darkness because he wants to control you because he knows if that can control you, then you're not a threat to his kingdom. And our job as blood-bought sons and daughters, if we've been given the light of the world, y'all, the light of the world, we have a responsibility to take ground. So I wanna give you 12 kinds of demonic evil spirits that are at work. Um, again, there's way more than 12. Remember a third of the angels, a third of how many? A third of a lot. That's all I can tell you. A lot of evil spirits. But these 12 spirits are some of you, maybe you're like, well, I don't do like witchcraft or voodoo and I don't really watch too many horror movies. No, I'm about to show you 12 spirits that are so easy for you and I to engage with. We can do it passively if we're not keeping our minds, Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things above and not on the things of the earth. This is going to have to be actively you getting in the word, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, because every single one of us can fall into this. We have to make sure there's no vacancy. Number one, first kind of spirit is the spirit of jealousy. We see this in Genesis 21 with Sarah and Hagar. Sarah tells her husband, hey, why don't you sleep with my servant because I can't have a son. She'll get pregnant, but then I can make that son my son. And then that happens. And then, well, ladies, that didn't go over too well, okay? She got jealous, and then she asked her husband to kick the girl out that she told her husband to sleep with and get pregnant and then kick her out the town. So spirit of jealousy, spirit of jealousy. It's not a feeling of jealousy. It's a spirit. There is an evil spirit, and its job is to make you feel jealous because if it can make you feel jealous, here are some things that jealousy produces. And I, I, there's a lot, and so if you can't write them all down, it's okay. It'll be on the podcast. I'll get our social media team to post it, um, and we'll send it to group leaders if you're in groups. But here's some things that jealousy can produce. Rage. We see all of these in Scripture. Murder. You guys obviously know I'm a cyclist. I just did a crazy long bike ride. There, just a few years ago, this girl, she's one of the top gravel cyclists in the USA, and there was a guy, he was dating another cyclist girl for a bit, they broke up, I only know about this because murder happened, okay, I don't, I don't keep tabs that tight, um, but he broke up, whatever, he's with this other girl, top gravel cyclist. The girl that he was with previously literally drove up to her house night, the night before, shot her in the head, and then drove off, ended up fleeing into Mexico, they caught her, and it was all based off of jealousy, jealousy. I mean, we see it in the Bible and we see it today. Anger, you know what else jealousy does? It breeds suspicion. There are some of you that don't know your stress levels are based off the suspicion that you're having. And some of you marriage-wise, hey, you need to trust again. You need to trust again. Men, you need to give full access to everything on your phone, to your, everything, everything because you need to leave no room for suspicion because you are gonna be a man of God and you'll leave no room for the spirit of jealousy. You'll leave no room for that. It can, jealousy can produce competition. Ladies, there's way too many of y'all trying to compete with somebody else's mothering and somebody else's status. God don't need you to be them. If he needed you to be them, he'd have made you them, but he made you you. There's only one of you. He needs you to be you. There's something about you in the earth that will never be given to the earth again and you get to be that. Jealousy can produce revenge, restlessness, cruelty, selfishness, division, wrath, and envy. The second one is a lying spirit. 
a lying spirit. Now, this one's tough because we can think our culture, American culture, I'm just going to be honest, you know, our culture is, uh, we, we call ourselves a Christian nation, but we're just anti-gospel. Um, it's unfortunate, but it's the reality. And so um, we've built this thing in the American culture, like it's just a white lie. Sometimes a white lie can protect someone. No, there is no lie that protects anyone. John 8, 44 Jesus says, you belong to your father, the devil. Okay, hello. Welcome to church. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Listen to this. When he lies, talking about Satan, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I don't care if it's a white lie or the biggest lie you've ever told. Whenever you lie, you speak the native language of hell. And that is just not what citizens of heaven do. And I'm not saying you won't ever be tempted to lie. I'm not saying you won't ever struggle with lying. What you can do is you can put yourself in a place to repent quickly and to ask God's truth to continually set you free because that is God's desire for you and I. So lies, they start doing all sorts of stuff. Lies can be attached to um, vain imaginations. Uh, Sean and I have counseled people in ministry who literally built entire worlds of stories. We were having to sift through, I'll never forget years ago, having to sift through a situation of, of a girl who told us all these wild stories about this person, these relationships that never existed, that never existed. And some people would be like, oh my gosh, that's because she's crazy. No, 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 that's because there was something evil and we are not there to throw judgment on people and cast shade on people and tell people how jacked up they are. We are here as sons and daughters, not just pastors. If you're saved in this room, if you see a spirit that's impacting someone for us to go in and be the agents of change that bring freedom, that's our responsibility. That's not a suggestion if you follow Jesus. It can create um, criticism, Lies, uh, you see lies turn in from adultery to um, people who will say that they love you, but they'll actually do the complete opposite. Um, people who, who walk in the spirit of lying, um, they're the kind of people that uh, they'll, they'll never be satisfied with not winning the argument. They've got to have the last word. They've got to prove, and they'll, they'll keep digging farther and farther. Into and I want to be very clear when I'm saying all of this. If, if this hits you and you're like, man, I, I've, I've been doing that. I am not calling you a liar. I am not calling you someone who is jealous. I'm praying that today you recognize if you follow Jesus, you're blood-bought. There's a spirit trying to attack you, and we can see breakthrough from that today in Jesus' name. Amen? Because the world would want to label you. Our world is obsessed. They have this almost gross obsession with identity right now. I don't know if you've noticed it. Young people, you see it. I mean, it is. The, these are my pronouns. This is my Bro, no, I don't care what you want to call yourself. You can't satisfy yourself by identifying yourself. Christ identifies you. Christ gives you your identity. Your identity is in him and him alone. Nothing else will satisfy. I just watched a young girl who, who came to Christ recently, and she went through taking tons of hormones and all these different things. She's got such a beautiful story. She has a baby now, and she, it was really powerful on Instagram. And she's just talking through all that I went through because the, she said, I believe the world's lies. I let the world label me, she said. But, and, and I wanted, she was, I mean, went all the way to trying to be a guy. She had her entire workplace fooled. And she said, when I found Jesus, he just revealed the daughter that I am. 
the daughter that I am. And this is not, I know a lot of people think like, well, Christians are just like, you know, are so mean and they hate everybody. Bro, I don't know what Christians you talking to. The people who hated Jesus were the religious people. If we're walking like Christ, we love every single person right where they are. We just know God loves them too much to ever let them stay there because he's got an identity for them to walk in. And that identity is only found in him. And the enemy is using lies. The religious spirit comes from lying. Deception, here's a big one. Can I help everybody? Um, And I'm guilty. I stand before you with a microphone as a preacher, guilty of this. Did you know that a spirit of lying can produce exaggeration? Have you ever found yourself like, well, the story was true, but, (laughs) you know what I mean? Okay, only me, only your pastor. All right. Third one is this, a familiar spirit. A familiar spirit. Now, this one's really important. I have to spend a little bit of time here about a familiar spirit because just so you know, we're definitely going long today. I didn't get to preach all this in the first service. I didn't get to give any of the breakdowns in the first service. So um, congratulations for coming to the second one. A familiar spirit is really important. Familiar spirit we actually see in, um, in uh, sorry, I have it here, I promise. Yep. Familiar spirit is 1 Samuel 28, 7. And so King Saul, he's the king of Israel at the time. And, you know, he, he, he believed in God. He followed Yahweh, the one true God. And he actually ended up kicking out all of the sorcerers and all those who did witchcraft. He kicked them out of the kingdom. He made them go live in the outskirts. Well, Samuel was the priest. Samuel was the one who had anointed David for David to become king. Saul wanted his son to become king. And so Saul gets salty, all right? Um, Preacher joke, I apologize. But Saul gets upset because he doesn't want David to become king. Well, Samuel, the priest, dies. And when Samuel, the priest, dies, King Saul is like, I gotta figure all this stuff out because I don't want this kid coming and taking over my kingdom. So King Saul ends up taking off his royal robe. He puts on some regular clothes where people wouldn't recognize him. He sneaks outside the city and he goes and meets with the psychic and the medium. The people he kicked out of the city, he went and met with them and sat down. This is why it's called a familiar spirit. Some of you have maybe seen this on Instagram. Maybe you've talked with a friend who's like, oh, I went to a psychic. And they like, you know, they talked to like my sister who had passed away. And they said some real things. Yes, they did say some real things because that's real. Some of you are like, oh, psychic stuff is a joke. No, they're tapping into a real spiritual world. And the enemy will allow them to say enough truth to get you leaned in that opens you up to things that you don't want in. That's why the Holy Spirit is the only spirit that you should ever allow access into the spiritual realm through. And so um, one of our pastors, actually, Pastor Jason from Bold City Church, he had a friend. Pastor Jason wasn't fully living for the Lord at that point. He said they were out partying one night, but a friend went in to this like psychic reader room and went in there. And when he came out and, you know, he, he was, I don't know, either on drugs or drinking, either one. But he was a little messed up. But he came and he was like, bro, she told me that like in a couple years, I'm gonna die and like set it to a T. Pastor Jason said two years, he died the exact way the psychic reader said. You can go ahead and think it's not real. Bro, it's real. This is a real spiritual battle. We have to make sure that we're not engaging with things except by the power and the authority of the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, amen? And so a familiar spirit, this is what King Saul did. He said, hey, psychic reader, can you call on the spirit of Samuel? I need to talk with Samuel, which for King Saul, he's like, I'm not trying to talk with the devil. I'm just trying to talk with a guy who's already dead and I need some information so that this kid don't take over my kingdom. King Saul, who followed God, believed in Yahweh and and had kicked witchcraft out of his kingdom, went and sought after witchcraft because why? Actually, he was jealous. A jealous spirit drove Saul to a familiar spirit. I need you to hear me. 
Do not step into any spiritual realm except by the Holy Spirit. Familiar spirits is the occult, it's fortune telling, it's horoscope, it's astrology, it's new age, it's divination, demons, sounds, um, hypnotists, um, psychic ability, all of that. Those are familiar spirits. We, can, we have authority over it, but we don't engage with it. I wonder how many people are going to come to part two next week. Um, the, the fourth spirit is this, the spirit of perversion. The spirit of perversion. I want to be clear on perversion. A lot of people would immediately think something like sexual, but it's not. Um, perversion is twisting the word. This is what Satan does. Satan twists the word. Remember when he went to Eve, he said, did God really say that you can't touch any tree in the garden? And Eve said, she did right at first. She said, God didn't say that. God said we can have any tree in the garden, just not this one. Notice what Satan did. He went with a half truth. He perverted the truth. He twisted it. So the spirit of perversion will bring manipulation. Um, some of you have had people manipulate you in life. Um, the spirit of perversion can be doctrinal error. It's when people preach things that feels good and it's based off of tradition, but it's not rooted in the word of God. There's actually a, a movie going around right now that I would not encourage you to watch, um, but it's called The Cessationist Movie and it's an entire movie about how the gifts of the spirit aren't active any longer today. That all the gifts in the, in the New Testament are done with. There's actually, they're doing an entire conference in, in California basically to get a bunch of Christians in the room and say, don't believe in the power of God. I guess. I'm not quite sure what the purpose of this very interesting conference is. Um, but man, what a spirit of perversion to tell people that the God who raised Jesus from the dead by the Holy Spirit would put his Holy Spirit in us, but say, hey, there's no miracle signs and wonders anymore. That's all done. So all you can do is just sit around, study the Bible, and wait till you die and go to heaven. That is not the gospel my Jesus preached. I can't find it anywhere in here. I can't find it anywhere. Spirit of perversion. You see perversion bring um, lust, uh, rebellion, hate, and error. Number five, heaviness. Heaviness can come, spirit of heaviness can come from rejection. Some of you have been rejected. You've had people walk out on you. You felt hopeless. Some of you have got deep grief. You've had a family member or a friend pass away. Sean and I were talking about a friend yesterday who has just walked through a lot of grief because someone that they were close with committed suicide and took their life. And grief is a real thing. Grief is a real thing. And a lot of times when you're grieving, which is natural, the enemy will use grief as access for the spirit of heaviness to get in. And so what I've found in those seasons when I feel a spirit of heaviness, when I've felt rejected or hurt or whatever it may be, what I do is instead of partnering and engaging with heaviness, I do what the Bible says and I go put on a garment of praise and I begin to worship God and I recognize that I can worship God not if I feel it because my faith leads and my feelings follow. Some of you, the biggest shift that will happen in your life spiritually is when you start letting faith lead you and not your feelings. Stop waiting to feel it before you worship God with extended hands and a shout for joy. Do it when you don't feel it. Let the feelings follow because then you'll know that you're a person of faith and not a person of feeling. It's, it's not bad to have feeling. Jesus had feeling. Jesus wept. Jesus laughed. Jesus got ticked off, walked up in a temple, started flipping tables and cracking a whip. Jesus ain't playing. But Jesus was never led by emotions. We say it this way around here. You can have emotions, but emotions can't have you. Emotions are great indicators, but they're not the dictator. And so a spirit of heaviness does not control us. We put on the garment of praise. Discouragement, all those kinds of things. Number six, immorality. This is anything that would be sexually immoral, unclean, idolatry, prostitution, adultery, um, love of the world, love of money, um, uh, emotional weakness, 
Emotional weakness is a big way that the spirit of immorality will come in because there's a lot of people who step into immoral living because they were, they were weak emotionally somewhere, maybe because of something that happened, someone who hurt them. Maybe you haven't felt love from the right places, so you go find love in the wrong places. And this is why it's so important to know that you don't need love from him or her. Shauna and I say it all the time. Um, like when, when we got together, she was very clear to me. She said, John, I love you, but you don't complete me. She said, God completed me before I ever met you. You can compliment me. And so some of us, even marriages, dating relationships, another person doesn't complete you. It's Christ and Christ alone. And, and when that happens, it'll keep you out of falling into this spirit of immorality that'll get you living unclean. And when you're living that way, that's when the guilt sets in, the shame sets in, and Jesus comes to set us free from that, amen? Seventh one is the spirit of infirmity. This is all sicknesses. Um, I'm just gonna leave it at that because we gotta get going, but this is all sicknesses, the spirit of infirmity. It is not God's desire that you would be sick. Now, we experience sickness because we live in a fallen world. You have some camps of Christians that will say like, well, it's just God's will that I got cancer. No, it is not God's will that you got cancer. The cancer exists because sin exists. And it doesn't mean you were sinning. It means we're in a broken, fallen world and we're susceptible to these things. What do we do? We pray for healing. We declare healing. And guess what we're gonna do as a church? If someone walks through cancer all the way to their deathbed, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna walk with them all the way, declaring the power and the healing of Jesus, loving them, covering them. And guess what happens? If, if they pass from cancer and they follow Jesus, guess what? Fully healed, glorified body one day in heaven with Jesus, amen? So we can't lose y'all. We can't lose when we live from this perspective. But there's also other people in other camps of Christianity that are like, well, if you're sick, that's because you're just sinning all the time. And we know that that's not the case because there was a young man who had an issue and the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, whose sin is on this man that he was born blind? Was it him or his parents? And Jesus responded with this. He said, neither his sin nor his parents' sin. This young man was born this way so that the glory of God could be revealed. So, you cannot stand theologically and say, oh, well, you've got an issue because you sin. Jesus dealt with that theology. He dealt with it. But the spirit of infirmity is a, an evil spirit that is about sickness. Number eight, the deaf and dumb spirit. Now, I need you to see what happens with the deaf and dumb spirit. This is the spirit that brings upon suicide, epilepsy, seizures, schizophrenia. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of different mental illness, which again, I'm not anti someone meeting with someone and figuring out what might be going on. But I do wanna be very clear that if you just think that people with a bunch of letters on the back end of their names can deal with demonic activity, you're, you're mistaken. I believe in counseling. I believe in the right counseling. Counseling with biblical perspective that will give you God's viewpoint on things. There are some people that are, have spirits that you can't just come up to church and someone lay hands on you and it, and it be gone. Jesus even told us this. There are some people that need to go to counseling and they need to dig up some trauma and some pain where some things come to the surface so that then we can break the assignment of the enemy. There's some people we can lay hands on and pray and the enemy and freedom, the enemy leaves and freedom comes right then. But even Jesus himself said, at one point, a, a father tried to get his son healed by the disciples. The disciples prayed, and guess what? The son didn't get delivered from the demon. The father comes to Jesus and says, your disciples, they're trash. They couldn't do it. No, he didn't say that. He was like, your disciples couldn't do it. They couldn't drive him out. So Jesus, he cast out the, the demon, and the disciples came to Jesus later, and they said, why couldn't we do it? Jesus said, some of these demons only come out by prayer and fasting. Do you want to know one of the reasons that people will live with decades of demonic spiritual attachments to their lives? It's because we don't have Christians who are willing to mature enough to live a life of prayer and fasting. 
It's not comfortable. It's not easy. It's hard. When you fast, you feel like life's going slow. When you fast and go without the things that you want, it's starving your flesh. Why are you starving your flesh? So that you can be more sensitive in the spirit. So there are many ways that we can see freedom and deliverance happen. But this deaf and dumb spirit is interesting. Matthew 12, 22. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But the Pharisees, religious people, heard about the miracle and they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Sounds just like a religious person. Jesus knew their thoughts, gangster, and replied, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, then he's divided and he's fighting himself and his own kingdom will not survive. Poof, I love Jesus. And if I'm empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcist? They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I am casting out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has already arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. By the way, the only even stronger is Jesus. Don't you dare try to cast anything out or address or deal with anything without the strongest man, which is Jesus. And he says, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, Jesus says. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. And that brings you to number nine, the spirit of the Antichrist. Jesus says, anyone who's not working with me is working against me, or you're opposing me. There is a spirit of an antichrist. This, I know today's message is, some of y'all might be leaning over like, I know I invited you. Normally he just like preaches about like how you can apply the Bible like at work and like makes like a better day and stuff. I don't know. You're in an urgent hour. You need to be aware, but, but I'm just gonna say Voyage Church, we're gonna flip things on its head a little bit because there's some people who are like overly consumed with the return of Christ. Like I think it's here. There's literally entire ministries built to tell you when Christ is coming back. Bro, Jesus said even he, he said only the Father knows the day or the hour. I'm not about to use energy and effort that I could use sharing the gospel and getting people set free to try to figure out when Jesus is coming back. I can tell you based upon some signs of the times, it's getting closer, but guess what? It's been getting closer since he left. It's getting closer. And if he tarries, there's more time for more people to find freedom. And so... The spirit of the Antichrist, just real quick, there's going to be a human, if you don't know this, a human is going to rise up in the earth, then Antichrist is what he's gonna be. People are not gonna call him that. He's gonna be of great speech. Um, he's gonna probably be really good looking. He's gonna be sharp, and he's actually going to get multiple nations to come together, and they're going to give up. It could be the United States, it could be Germany, it could have South Africa. You're gonna have entire nations say, hey, we're gonna give up our independence. We're all gonna become one. It's gonna be rooted underneath this idea of unity and love. It's gonna sound really good, and the whole purpose is when he get, when the Antichrist gets all these people together, there's this new world order he's gonna try to establish, and that's where the mark of the beast and all these things are gonna happen, and it's gonna be crazy. But what I've found is that there's a lot of people, even with the Antichrist, they go start studying. And you know, um, Obama was the Antichrist, Trump was the Antichrist, Biden's the Antichrist. I was like, bro, they all three totally different people. How are they all the Antichrist? But you got people who spend all this time trying to figure out, well, the Antichrist is gonna look like this and do this and do this. 
Voyage Church, that's not us. That's not this house. That's not where we put our energy or our efforts. We're going to be the people like the woman with the alabaster jar. We're going to be really close to Jesus. I'm going to pour it out all out on him. I'm going to know him so well. I'm going to be a sheep that knows the shepherd's voice. I'm going to know Christ so much. So anything that's anti-Christ, I'll be able to know it's anti-Christ because I know Christ. I know him. He's the lover of my soul. So all of my energy and all of my effort is poured out in knowing Christ. And if I know him, I don't have to waste energy and effort trying to figure out who isn't of him. I'll know because I know him. I know him. But the spirit of the Antichrist is something that you have to know. I don't know if he's going to be blonde hair, blue eyes, and if he's going to have a South African accent. I don't know. But what I do know is there's a spirit of Antichrist before the spirit influences a person. And here's what we see from the spirit of Antichrist. Legalism comes from this. Blasphemies, a controlling spirit. They, they, this spirit opposes the men and women of God. You know, there's a lot of people, I know we had our, me and Sean up here and Jonathan and Courtney and people who don't like um, women in ministry, which I would, if that's ever the case, I would love to talk with you. I think we could walk through a lot of scripture together. But um, at the end of the day, then this just wouldn't be the church for them because we believe that if, if God can bring the word of God, Jesus, through a woman, then surely a woman can talk about the word of God. Um, anyways, it's, there, there's way too much Old and New Testament scripture of women in leadership that destroy that theology. But either way, this legalism, this controlling spirit, this opposing men and women of God, um, it persecutes the saints. Listen to this, the Antichrist. I just told you about a conference and an entire movie about cessationism that gifts don't flow anymore. The Antichrist spirit speaks against the use of gifts. It's Antichrist. The 37 miracles in Jesus' ministry, 23 of, 23 of those healing. To, for there to be no gifts, it's got to be Antichrist. Humanism, atheism, new age. 10, number 10 is the spirit of pride. From pride comes stubbornness, gossip, controlling spirit, arrogance, self-righteousness, contention, wrath, mockery, um, egotistical, haughtiness, um, vanity, um, this is where a, a spirit of the dictator would come from in pride. Number 11 is the spirit of bondage. This would be all compulsive addictions. Actually, someone in our church had posted this past week on Facebook, which I thought was just really powerful that they were vulnerable in this area. But a lot of times when you think addictions, you think alcohol, drugs, just those kinds of things. This person actually opened up and shared about like a shopping addiction and that it literally took hold of their life and drove them down a really difficult path. And so there is a spirit of bondage and it's not just doing the illegal drugs. It's being bound to anything other than Christ because we're called to be bond servants of Christ. We're, we're, we're bound to him, but not to anything else. And the last one is this, the spirit of fear. We know this from um, the book of 2 Timothy. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I need you to notice that it's not called the feeling of fear. It's called the spirit of fear in the Bible. This is why we call him Holy Spirit, and this is why we see there, oh my gosh, these, are, these 12 things are not feelings at play. These are spirits at work. Fear can bring torment, horror, worry, anxiety, um, inferiority, inadequacy, tension, stress, nightmares. Um, you can sense danger or sense darkness lurking. You usually think the worst. Um, it can put people in a place of, uh, of, of so fearful that they'll actually move into living in lack and living without because they're just scared. There are people who are driven by fear so much, the spirit, where they won't go out and do anything. Um, and so I'm gonna, we stand to your feet. I'm gonna give you this, this last thing. Um, and I just wanna give you an opportunity to respond and we'll dismiss you.
And I apologize for it going longer, but you put me on a 500-mile bike ride, so that's your fault for giving me way too much time to sermon prep. 1 Kings chapter 19, there's a prophet named Elijah. And Elijah had just come down from the mountain. You know what Elijah did? Elijah called down fire from heaven. There were these prophets, the prophets of Baal, and basically Elijah said, hey, if your God's real, call down fire. Whichever God burns up the altar, that's the real God. So the prophets of Baal, they danced around this fire. They took rocks and they cut themselves. It was a way that they worshiped their false God. And they did it for a long time. Elijah, he got a little, maybe a little prideful. He was like, maybe he's going to the bathroom. Maybe he's sleeping. Like he was taunting them. And then finally, no fire falls. Elijah gets up and he gets water. Now it's really important that you know he gets water because they're in the middle of a drought. And he gets multiple buckets of water and he soaks his entire altar. Then he digs a trench around his altar and he fills up the, the trench with water. Now, first off, that's already like pretty bold move. But to do it in the middle of a drought, bro, your, your God better show up or people are gonna be upset you just wasted all that water. He gets up there simply and he says, God, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm the one who serves you. You, you show that you're the one true God. Fire comes down from heaven, burns up the altar, laps up all the water. And then at that point, all 3,000 prophets of Baal get killed. And I mean, Elijah probably, I mean, at that point, I'd be like, God's got my back. Well, from that moment, Elijah, from a mountaintop moment, seeing God bring fire, 1 Kings 19, 3, then Elijah became afraid immediately and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. And he went on a day's journey into the wilderness and he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. Now the reason he ran is because Jezebel wanted him killed. But to go from a place of seeing the fire of God fall, like look, some of us struggling, I got it. But your man saw fire come from heaven and then saw all the false prophets get killed. And someone says, hey, I'm gonna kill you. And Elijah gets scared, he runs, but notice that his fear drives him even, he was desiring to not live any longer. He said, I've had enough, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down and he slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and the angel told him, get up and eat. Jump down to verse nine. He entered a cave there and spent the night. So he's sleeping in the cave. Suddenly, everyone say suddenly. The word of the Lord came to him and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I need you to know that the fear, the depression and the suicidal thoughts that Elijah dealt with were because he was in a place he shouldn't have been in in the first place. Some of you are, are experiencing, could be a lying spirit, a prideful spirit, something that you recognize in your life. Oh my gosh, this has been happening in my life. It's probably happened when you were somewhere you shouldn't have been watching something you shouldn't have watched, listening something you shouldn't have listened to. Some of you, it attached to you when something was done to you that was not your fault, that should not have been done to you. But here's what we have a responsibility to do. We have to break agreement with all assignments of the enemy. We are not scared of darkness. We are carriers of the light. But what I wanna do this morning as we close is I wanna give you an opportunity to have a moment in the presence of God to break any agreement that you might have with a spirit of lying, a spirit of deception, of perversion, spirit of heaviness, that you are gonna tell God, God, I break anything, God, that I've given access into my life. I break agreement right now and I want freedom. 
Now, for some of you, you're gonna do that today and you might still feel like you're battling. You're, you know what your next step is? Your next step is, if you're in group this week, you gather a group of friends, you say, hey, I need you to pray with me and I need you to take authority over this. Jonathan and I sent about, sat about two hours with someone dealing with sleep paralysis and seeing dark figures. We spent about two hours just warring and praying. After the two hours, the few weeks later, they're not gone. There's less of them. And so what are we doing? From that moment, it's not me and him going, well, we don't know what we're doing. It's not working. What did Jesus say? He said, hey, some of this only comes out by prayer and fasting. So this person had already been praying. Then he brought us in and we began to pray. We began to declare. And now we're moving into a place. Okay, let's pray and fast. Let's pray and fast. And so I want you to know that this morning, your first step, there will be some people that will pray with you. But if, if, if as we've gone through these 12 things, not feelings, spirits, and again, that doesn't mean you're possessed. It means that the enemy is trying to stop you from fulfilling your purpose, that you're going to break the assignment of the enemy. Some of you are going to confess to the Lord, God, I'm not watching that anymore. God, I'm not listening to that anymore. Let the Holy Spirit convict you of that. Because I don't want to live this life less than what he died for me to have. And so I'm breaking the assignment of the enemy. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.